Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assist for me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, is mine? We're not going to be fucking sunk this year with the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vizana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Noel, how are you? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Coached my uh, my first soccer game of the year Yeah. in a torrential downpour. You know, I coached my son, Ryan, you know. Ryan, your your nephew. We know Ryan well, yes. <laughs> and uh, the listeners do as well. Noel. The listeners do. The listeners do. Yeah, unfortunately, we lost two zero. But um, I oh, mean, against your arch nemesis, against our rival team, we've got some new players and stuff, and we're we're coming along. But Matt, I haven't seen rain like this. Like it, it was like uh, that scene from Any Given Sunday. I'm telling <laughs> you, torrential downpour. I hope there were lights at least. Yes, yes, there were there were lights. I thought the, the rain was so bad. I thought they were going to go out though. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I mean, there it was that field turf where it was just a full puddle. Kids crying, hands just like claws. how could you even tell if they were crying? There the was weeping, nothing- <laughs> the weeping <laughs> through the masks. You can hear <laughs> while I'm screaming. Come on, boy, run! <laughs> well, um. My son, Andrew, your nephew as well, yes, four years old, he had his first practice, first soccer practice uh, last week. It was quite cute to see. He was he was running pretty hard out there, doing a little dribbling. Are they like a swarm of bees? I, I don't even know how to describe it. He actually practices in preschool, like two days a week. There's there's oh. like this Nigerian soccer guy who comes in. Oh, he's getting a little side training? He's getting some side training. So yeah. He actually has pretty good control with his dribbling. But something I wanted to mention, you mentioned the mass. Here in uh, the south, we're so, more southern than you. Yeah, you are. The twang <laughs> goes deeper down there. So I was watching Andrew's practice, and I was the only, only one on the sidelines with a mask on, other than their coach who had a mask on. Speaking of arch rivals as well, my arch rival, my neighbor, we, of course, happened to be on the same team, her daughter and my son. Wouldn't have it any other way, of course. This is, this is my law, life. man. This is my life. So... And when I mean arch rival, like arch fucking rival, like these are disgusting people. So (laughs) no, they are. So she's a big TikToker, I guess is the proper terminology. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm not. But I think we actually have a Beltway Sports Bros TikTok. I stopped using it after like a week because I don't really understand it. You're not millennial enough. I'm really not. So I'm wearing a mask. Nobody else is, as I mentioned. And the next morning, she puts out a TikTok, something about that 
when you're outside, how do you want to wear a mask? Don't you want to smell the air or you want to feel your hot breath? And it, and I knew it was about me because she got really, really political with it. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Right. And it, it was a direct shot at me, of course. But she's the type who doesn't name names. Hey, so she's, you a have, prof- she's a TikTok professional. You know, you keep it. You keep it general. But you know who you are. <laughs> oh, she knows her way around TikTok, yeah. Facebook, everything else. She's God. she's how old is this wily. woman? Uh, I think she's like 34. God, grow the fuck up. She needs to get a fucking life. Get a life. If she ever hears this, which I doubt she will. I mean, knowing her, she probably knows every step I take and probably listens to every episode. And if you are, go fuck yourself, lady, because you're a horrible person. It's it's a love-hate relationship that she has for you, Matt. There's no love on my end. (laughs) Well, good. Sounds like we had some bang-up weekends then. Yeah, it was great. Get back into the kids' sports mode. Woo-hoo! So good. Well, now that we talked about everything that nobody could give a shit about, right. let's talk about uh, the Washington football team. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, some news coming out of Ashburn. Ron Rivera returned on Monday from taking a well-deserved vacation. Good for him. I think yeah. he deserved it. No, I, he, earned, he earned every minute of it. Absolutely. And <laughs> after his vacation, his first order of business <laughs> was to cut your all-time favorite Washington football quarterback that being Alex Smith, of course. Peace, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Jeez. You know, kicking a man when he's down, he can't do the same to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, so it's not official. <laughs> it's not official now, but it's going to be any day. So I know this is very disappointing news for you, but um, any parting words for Alex? I think I like just to gave him. You know, I've wasted enough of my <laughs> time, effort, and hair on this fool. Um, I'm glad that he's gone. And you know what? I'm satisfied because the GQ article and he's going out like a little bit of tarnishment and it's nice and I love it and it's great. You think that this would have, I mean, he was going to get released one way or the other, but do you think that Rivera was making a point right when he got back because of the GQ article? I have a feeling because there was talk about him saying, okay, you can stay on the team if you take a reduced salary, whatever it is. But like they just said, see ya immediately, day one. I think one. that Rivera found an opportunity to make it easier, just like he did with Haskins. His intention was always to get rid of Haskins. But after the strip club shit, the COVID stuff and, and all that crap, it was just, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for yeah. making my life easier and not having to answer questions. And Alex, what he did is like a PG version of that. The intention was always to release him. But now it's Rivera taking the opportunity at the perfect moment to do this. And he doesn't look like the bad guy because everybody knew that he was going to get cut. But this was just a little added. I don't have to justify it as much. And it's fresh in right. everybody's mind that right. he just did it. So he's like, yeah, he's like, sure, if you guys want to use that as the excuse. Seems legit to me. <laughs> and did you hear uh, that Heineke got interviewed and he said he would love to keep Alex Smith around? I bet he would. I know, right? I, I bet he would. No, I'd much rather have Marcus Mariota or somebody who can actually walk. Yeah. Yeah, please. Give me He's a like, break. yeah, yeah, sure. Hey, man. Keep him around. Hey, Matt, you want to compete? Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get, come on down. <laughs> come on, man. Well, so staying with the Washington football team. So free agency is right around the corner. March 17th, to be exact. And with Rivera being back at work, apparently the reports are we're going to see a lot more news come out of Ashburn. But with Alex Smith's release, 
when it will be official. It'll open up about 14.5 million of cap space, bringing the number to a little over 50 million of usable cap space. Not bad. I mean, we all knew this was happening, but now we're going to make it official here. So Noel and I agreed on Washington's three biggest offseason needs, and we're going to give one free agent to our, I guess, quote unquote, wish list, I guess you want to call it, that we'd like to see in the Burgundy and Gold next year. Speaking of wish lists, real quick, did you see this full Russell Wilson? I did. So this idiot, right, for those who don't know, he didn't request a trade, but he came out with a list of teams that if a trade were to occur, he would like to go to. I think it's the Bears, the Saints, the Raiders, or the Cowboys, right? Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to be traded, but he sends out a list. So what do you want? You know, this reminds me of if I were to go up to Lindsay and say, you know what? I don't want a divorce, but here's a list of four women that really entice me in case it does happen. (laughs) Right. It's absurd. One glaring omission, though, on that list. I know that's not your point of this, but why doesn't anybody want to come to Washington? He wants to go to a place where his wife thinks she'll fit in. Would you rather be in Vegas? It's for her, Matt. It's for her. And this is what it's about. Seattle I maybe rains too much, but I don't know. Maybe she likes Chicago. I'm not really sure. New Orleans is New Orleans. You got mm-hmm. Vegas, and you've got Dallas where the boys are. So that list, I think, is her list. Maybe not the Bears, but three out of the four definitely are for her. Well, haven't they seen um, their electrical structure in the Dallas area? <laughs> Do they really want any part of that? <laughs> yeah. it's, the, uh, it's the windmills, though. Yeah. It's the windmills. It's the windmills. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Nat. I told you. So many windmills. I told you. But I I just think that's an absolute joke. And you know what's funny? Even more so, go into that just a second. So David Carr was asked about if the Raiders... David Carr is Derek Carr's older brother. He's he's an analyst for, I think, ESPN, right? The man who the Texans ruined. The Texans destroyed his career. Yes. And um, he's asked if Wilson wants to go to the Raiders... Would you make that trade? And he said, yesterday. That's awesome. (laughs) He said, yesterday. I'm sure there's some jealousy there a little bit, you know? But still, they get along. No. I'm not saying they don't get along, but he's got to be an analyst, Noel. Matt, I would freaking tear you a new one. If I found out that somebody asked you a question to get me, and you said, hell yeah, man, take that job. He's an analyst. That's his job. He's got to be honest. Come on. Come on. He can put that one to rest. I mean, Cuomo's doing it with his brother. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's acting like it doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, come on, man. I get compartmentalizing and being a professional. He was given avenues and what the Raiders should give and shit. He was going down at bullet points of how the Raiders could make this work. I mean, Derek's got to text him and be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You too? Even you, of all people. Even you? Well, (laughs) so I just thought that was hilarious. But anyway, we digress yet again. This is a digression. It really is. All right. Let's get back on track here. All right. Let's get back on track. So again, just to remind you, we're talking about 
Washington's three biggest offseason needs. And we were talking about, you know, just to keep it short, we don't want to make this like a top five or anything, you know, God forbid. Yeah. So uh, we're doing it as a top three, I guess you could say. But we're given one free agent on our wish list. And, and these are realistic wishes. It's not like, you know, Russell Wilson, for instance, or, you know, some crazy trade. Right. So we're doing QB, wide receiver and a left tackle. Yes. Right. I think those are just needs, natural needs right now. We don't have to go berserko. We're not talking about Deshaun Watson stuff here. We're just saying what can make this team potentially better and fill. And we agree that those are the three top needs right now. You may disagree with our choices, but, you know, we know that there's others, of course. Do your own show. Yeah, right. We can't be here all day. So go fuck yourself. All right. So let's. So, all right, let's start with quarterback, you know, because we've talked about potential options many times on these shows. We've never actually given our number one realistic option that we want. So, you know, we've said we want everybody but the guys that are on the team, I guess. But who's your guy? You're going to be shocked. Okay. And we haven't really gone over this. So I kind of changed it up and thought about what can we do to be a little bit frugal and not go bonkers. And I do like the Mariota idea, but... I think that there are some catch-22s there. So I'm going with the simple answer and the simple stopgap. Hold on. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go for it. I hope you don't say Jameis. No, no. Okay. Thank God. I'm go- okay. I might be going worse to you. Oh, boy. Cam Newton. Jesus. Oh, I'm telling man. you, man. Show's over. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think that this can work for a season, and it's still in that mindset of, okay, Heineke can- is still there. Allen is still there. There can still be a competition at the quarterback position. They're not going to sell the farm on this guy. They're going to bring him in at a minimal contract, maybe even a prove-it contract. And we talked Wait, about Corey this. Safe. And, well, actually, I said it first. He added on to that one. But I said one year, five mil, and he said maybe it'll get up to 10 on incentives. Yes. So I'm thinking if you give him five million guaranteed on a one year, okay, that's dirt. Give him a prove-it. It and then by then you'll figure out exactly what you want to do with the quarterback position. I think it's a low-cost, high-value there. There's a high ceiling. Do I think that he's the same guy that he was? Absolutely not. Do I think he's close to the guy that he was? Absolutely not. But I think with Washington's the style of running game that they have, which can sometimes be null and void, he adds leaps and bounds to that. You could even see that in New England when he had one of the worst, if you look at the PFF, And I don't usually look at it, but in this, you really got to because it's so drastically bad. At the tight end and wide receiver position, they were the worst in the league by far. He -hmm. had nothing on that team. He ran the ball well. He did a lot of things well. Passing the ball, eh. But again, I don't think he had a single weapon on that team that he could work with. And really, he can help this team in avenues that they need help, especially with a good defense. Yeah, uh, I... I Look, whatever. Cam Newton's Cam Newton. I I think that he's toast. I think his shoulder's fucked, but that's fine. That's that's your opinion, and um, I'll move on to mine. Real quick, though. Yeah. I can't stand the dude, okay? No, he's horrible. There's no denying that, but I am compartmentalizing here, and I've used that one before, that the tangibles that he has can help this football team win games. I really do. I don't think he has to do too much, and believe me, these quarterbacks haven't. All you need is him to do manageable things, not turn the ball over a lot, move the chains, 
What else do we need? We don't need a guy flinging the ball around. And him knowing the offense, immediately plug and play. You'll have three quarterbacks competing that already know the offense. Yeah, all from Carolina. Imagine that. All right. Hey, that's your number one realistic choice. Okay. I think I think in a manageable pricing, yes. Right now, don't push too hard. I think that we have a good thing going. We've got a couple guys that we need to sign. Don't swing for the fences too much. You're going to see a theme here of being frugal. All right, Bruce. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. So um, mine is what I've been talking about. We've talked about him before. Marcus Mariota. And of course, Dak is my first choice. But, you know, I'm talking realistic options here. So I think he's going to be cheap either if he's released or a trade. He's going to cost like 15 million this year. There's no way they're keeping him around unless he takes car spot, which isn't going to happen. So, I mean, you don't have to give up a million draft picks for this guy. And I think he really just fits Scott Turner's offense like a glove. The zone read offense, the quick passes, the intermediate passes. You don't need to really throw deep in this offense. He doesn't have the greatest completion percentage I've ever seen. He's mostly sticking around like 60%, which isn't great in this day and age. It's great like in the 90s, but if you're closer to 70, that's a better percentage. But again, he's just going to be throwing a lot of short intermediate balls, getting the ball out quick, zone reads. He's obviously proved the last game that he played with the Raiders when when Carr got hurt. I mean, I think he ran for almost 100 yards in that game in like three quarters. He's still got the wheels. He's not old by any stretch. His QBR rating has been above 53 in every year. Not incredible, but outside of his rookie year in his last in the last season in Tennessee, which was a disaster. But compare that with Alex Smith, who had 47 in 2018 and under 35 in 2020. You know, the QBR is out of 100, so I'm not saying he's in the 90s, but like Heineke was in that one game against the Bucks. But the bottom line is, though, his mobility is the biggest factor for me. I think Turner proved it last year that outside of Haskins, who, you know, was an aberration, but I think that he really worked well and, and really highlighted the abilities and covered weaknesses, really, of the quarterbacks that he had pretty well. I mean, I think we gave t- Scott Turner a lot of shit last year, but he did get the most out of the quarterbacks outside of Haskins that he had. He wasn't working with a lot. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we're kind of cutting the guys in the same mold. I know that you have an issue with Cam, but I, I, I think we're kind of looking for the same type of thing. Yeah. A maneuverable guy, a guy that can get the ball out quick if he has to, a guy that can make plays with his legs, that isn't going to do too much damage. Right. And I think we're both kind of on the same page. You're going to get more of a reasonable cost with Cam. I'm good with either one. I really yeah. am. Uh, I just think that with Cam, you can just plug and play. There is no development process with that. Yes, I absolutely agree with you that Mariota fits the mold for what Scott Turner's trying to do. I mean, shit, Cam's been in it. He's been there. And you know what you're going to get with Cam, that it's not going to be a long-term thing unless the doors come off and he just explodes out of it and comes back to what he was, which is highly unlikely. But with your case... I would love to have Mariota in-house. And I think, like I said, that competition is going to be there, that three-way competition, which right. is healthy. And Gives I'm, Heineke a shot, too. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, you can really see if, if Heineke's a real deal right. if he comes out on top. Right. That's what I really want to see. Unless we just get one of those beasts, which it's not going to happen, why not give the other guys an opportunity? You Unless know? you're getting a franchise guy that's like, all right, we've got our man. You might as well bring in a guy that is going to compete. Not even one of those veteran guys that how can you not possibly start him? Why are we even having this conversation? He's kind of on that fence. Unless you're getting a franchise dude, like you said, Dak or Deshaun or even Russell Wilson, if he 
gets on the wish list, then those two can just sit down and they don't even need to. Oh, they'd have no chance. Right. And that, that's completely understandable. Right. But with Mariota or, or Cam, then you have a little window there. Yeah, we're both being realistic. So that's good for once. For once. Yeah. All right. Next position is wide receiver. And I, I think we can all agree this is quite the need. Yeah. Right. You agree with that? I, I thought you were a Cam sim. Speaking of Cam's. It's another Cam, you know. He, well, you thought I'm he'd be fine enough with need. I think Cam can be in core. I mean, the posse had more than two. <laughs> the posse. So you go first. You go first this time. All right. So you know, because Washington's less than stellar quarterback situation, I think more than likely they're going to have to overpay for one. But they do need help. So my pick on this is the Bucks Chris Godwin. Now, there, there's a possibility he can get franchised. And, and again, we're, we're, we're yeah. wiping that possibility out right now. Right. I don't know how the Bucks would actually be able to franchise him with their cap situation. But regardless, this guy's a complete fucking beast. He kind of got a bad rap because he dropped some balls in the playoffs. But he actually has a 2.2 percentage drop rate in four years. I take that any day of the week. Hell yeah. You know, he's got kind of a similar build to Terry. 6'1", 209 pounds. He's 25 years old. If you look at the stats comparing those two, Terry McLaurin and Godwin, in 2019, he had 86 receptions for 1,333 yards and nine touchdowns. I would kill for that. Last year, he had to take a back seat a little bit. Well, number one, they weren't down every game and had to fling it. You know, that's a little inflated because of Jameis and everything. But with Brady there, he had 840 yards and um, seven touchdowns. There was a lot more distributing going yeah, on. Yeah, with Antonio Brown. And, and they the ran thing, the yeah. ball a lot more. Yeah. With Evans there. Uh, they just had a great core of guys. They distributed around. Nobody was going to put up insane numbers. Uh, so it, it it's completely... I mean, still had 840 yards. You know, yeah. so... In that offense, and we and, all... And they took a while to kind of get it together. You yeah. know, they took about half the season they were kind of slow right. so terry had over 1100 yards last year but he was other than the sims brothers who are less than stellar i would say when it comes to helping out their starting receiver i think that he would be incredible no i and, mean it's a no-brainer i mean it's a enormous upgrade he becomes competing with mclaurin as the best receiver on the team and mclaurin's the number one but he's right there it could almost be a 1a 1b and the reason i think that he's realistic even with our shitty quarterback situation is he already won a super bowl right now he wants to get paid. Right. So as Joel Corey said, these guys will take a contract in Siberia if they get paid enough. So I think it's very realistic if they like him, you know, which I, I can't imagine they don't. Yeah. Who's your guy there, Noel? I have been I've been wanting this guy for a long time. Alan Robinson. I think okay. he's awesome. He has all the tools. Shit. Look at the quarterbacks that he's had over the last three years. Trubisky and Foles. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2019, 98 catches. 1,147 yards, 2020, 102 catches, 1,250. Well, then before that, with the Jaguars, who do you have? Oh, my God. Bortles. He blew out his knee in 2017. He's literally guy, never had anyone. He's never had anybody. Yeah. And even with Bortles, during the good season that Bortles had, it was a run-heavy team. So and their defense was awesome. This guy's been awesome in any scenario, minus the year that he blew out his knee. And then it took him a little bit of time in 2018 to get it back. I only think he only had like 54 catches or something. But the last two years, he's been a complete beast. He's been a top 10 receiver. He's only, ten, he's only 27 years old. He has all the tools. Big dude. With him, you get that size receiver that you want to complement McLaurin. Not just getting these two speed guys, depending on who you're going to get at quarterback. If you have Cam or Mariota, you're going to want to have big target 
And Allen Robinson fits the mold. And those are two guys that aren't very accurate, which is helpful. Exactly. That's exactly my point, is that you want to have those big dudes out there that can catch everything, full radius of catching. And this is the one that you're going to have to spend on. I really don't think you're going to have to worry about the franchise tag with him. Not saying that that was a factor in our decision-making, but with Godman, you will... They've been trying to unload Robinson for a long time on trades and everything else for whatever reason because they know that he's their best offensive player, okay, and they have done nothing beyond him just be a complete beast to really get him anybody to throw him the ball to make him a true upper echelon wide receiver. He's young. I'm giving a number here that Mm -hmm. I think they could probably get him for about, it's going to be a big number, four years, about $80 You're looking at four years, 80 million, probably about 50 million guaranteed. That's going to be your big spending, but it's a hell of a lot less than what you were going for with fucking Cooper last year. And I think you're getting just as good a receiver, to be honest with you. I'd be fine with either one. I I personally would obviously rather have Godwin a couple years younger, but Allen Robinson would be crazy to come here. Absolutely insane. Why would anybody who's played with no quarterbacks want to go to yet another team for a long-term contract? But we're still, we're kind of basing it on the fact that they are going to bring in a somewhat of a serviceable quarterback, right? I mean, you would hope that Washington would make the move at quarterback first before they try to sell the idea to a receiver. Well, I guess the thing is with Allen, with Allen Robinson, he's actually gotten paid already. So that's why I think when we're talking about Godwin versus him, Godwin's coming off of his rookie deal, getting paid peanuts, comparatively speaking. I think the likelihood of him coming to Washington is less than Godwin because he just came off playing with Tom Brady and Allen Robinson got off playing with no one for his entire career. I love the idea. Don't get me wrong. But if I were him, fuck no, not in a million years. I'd take less money to go somewhere that I know I could consistently get the ball and not have to kill myself to well do that. I mean he's had some good teams in Chicago yeah when he's been there it's not like he hasn't whiffed the playoffs or anything and been on some shit team they have been a competitive club in spite of having a shitty quarterback situation so I think that if he sees that there's something being built here it's not like they're trying to shortchange his ass they're going to give him what he's worth well yeah so, and they're one of the only teams that actually have the space so right. I mean, it, may, it may not be up to him at that point if he wants to get paid and it's a glaring need for them that's another selling point is that not that he wouldn't start and be a big time receiver anywhere else but also he has to look at the fact that he's going to be side by side next to McLaurin that might be nice for him that might feel good. So for me, I don't know. That one, one would really excite me. If they can sign him to a four-year deal, I think you're getting a solid four years out of this guy up until he's 31. Even if it's like opt out after three years, whatever it is, you're still going to get him up till he's 30 years old. And and, and I think you're going to get a good three years out of it. I like either one. Well, yeah, me too. That. Absolutely. <laughs> I, no, I'm not complaining. All right, so the last one is left tackle. Just a little background here. They drafted Sadiq Charles in the third round. He couldn't stay healthy. He could be something. Uh, then Jerron Christian started the season. We were very worried about him. And then Cornelius Lucas takes over, and, and he got hurt. Morgan Moses moves over to left tackle for a game or two, then back to Lucas, who, by all accounts, was very surprising last year. He actually played well. He had a 78 PFF ranking. He gave up two sacks all year. Not bad. I mean, he didn't play every game, of course, but... Right. I thought he did a serviceable job. He did. I, I'm but, not denying that. You know, with all that being said, we're kind of used to, in Washington, having a monster left tackle. I mean, we've had one for like the last 20 years with Trent, of course, and then Chris Samuels before him. The last two years have sucked, having to kind of worry about what's going on on the left side there. I think you and I are ready to resume what we're used to there. It would be nice to have a burly left tackle that can just 
smash anybody and pancake anybody that comes on that side. You don't even have to think about it. That's for sure. Right. Like a guy that can pull. He's as fast as like a tight end. <laughs> You know, shit like that. It's just nice to have that. Where you just look at the guy and you're like, holy shit. It's just something you don't have to worry about. That guy could just rip you in half. Yeah, I mean, we've sucked forever, but left tackle's always been solid. So, what's your left tackle there, Noel? Because we're spending big on Robinson. So, I'm going, not frugal here. I'm going for a serviceable guy. A guy that you know is going to start every game. Going to be in there. Good run blocker, good pass blocker. Alejandro Villanueva. That's who I'm going with. Hmm. Tackle out of the Steelers. Plus... The one beneficial thing is he's played both tackle positions. If Moses is limping around or whatever, which he will be, which he will be halfway through the season, you have that option to swing them both ways. If Sadiq Charles, for example, comes out of his shell and is able to play, then you have options there. Two-time Pro Bowler, not saying a lot for an offensive lineman. They throw those out like candy, but he was 2017, 2018. He started every single game since 2016 since he was plugged in as a full-time starter. Never missed a game. I think Rivera likes him because he's a big-time military guy, and he was in the military. I just think it's a fit for them. He's a workhorse. He's a fed pen guy, big time. Was that, isn't that the uh, the commercial he did? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yes, yeah. So he's in the top percentile. There's other good tackles out there like Okung and guys like that that are those big guys that you were talking about before that you look at him and you're like, holy cow, that guy's a monster. Yeah, and he's a big dude, but he kind of looks like closer like a guard, mm-hmm. but. Solid across the board. You would not have to worry. Dependable um, run blocker and pass blocker. He just avoids the negative plays. He has a high grade against negative plays. 74 percentile, which is not amazing, but I like to give the contract parts here. So I'm saying you don't need to go nuts with this guy. Three years, 45 million. That's not crazy for a left tackle. Okay, that's very affordable. And you give him like 30 million guaranteed. Boom, done. You're out the door. You know that you're going to have the guy for three years, won't miss a game. I think that's a good fit for what this team's trying to do. All right, that's fair. Uh, he's not a kneeler, though, Noel. I, I don't know if I have, I have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I mean, he doesn't excite me, but, you know, he's solid. So there you go. But one man that will excite me. Didn't know uh, we were going for splash here, but go ahead. <laughs> you got in it with some splash. Trent Williams. Jesus fucking Christ. Just hear me out. How incredible would it be to get Trent back next year? You know, we get Keith Ismael, fifth round pick, who they drafted from the 49ers, from their pick from the trade. And then you get the 49ers third round pick while he's on the team. Not to I thought mention, we weren't doing like fantasy picks here. This right? isn't a fantasy. Let me hold on. All right. After all the bullshit for the last two years, Trent makes his grand return to FedEx. He gets to put his name back on the ring of fame, which is for some reason a weird thing that he wants to do. I don't know why, why he even gives a shit. He's going to get that anyway. Eh, it didn't end very well. I don't know. They come later on. He's going to get that anyway. <laughs> he doesn't need to redeem himself and come back. Well, but anyway, go we ahead. We all like go redemption ahead. stories. But See this ridiculousness. And then he had an insane 92 PFF grade last year. I mean, he's, and I mean, he had the year off. He got to 
get healthy, get the thing off his head, you know, the whole thing. Considering the injuries that they had in San Francisco as well, I mean, he was a mainstay, man. Yeah. He was awesome. I watched some of the footage of him just hoping he looked like shit, and I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) this guy's a fucking monster. He didn't do great against Chase Young, though, if you remember. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. Kind of got blown He's always had a little bit of difficulty with those guys that get crazy 45-degree angles. Yeah. You know, he's always had where he has to push down low. You've always seen that sometimes where these guys come off the snap. They're almost horizontal. Right. So, but beyond that, man, he still got it. He does. And, you know, I've heard from sources that there's no animosity from Trent's side towards Ron Rivera. They just kind of came to an agreement. Look, you know, we'll trade you. Go ahead and do what you got to do. His contract's up, obviously, or else we wouldn't be talking about him. This is a real possibility. I think realistically, he'll probably go back to the 49ers, but he's going to have to get paid. That's why it is realistic because Washington has a ton of money to spend. And why wouldn't you spend it on a guy like him who has at least three good years left in the tank, I would say. The whole issue was Maddie wasn't getting paid. Well, I mean, you know that you're going to have to break the bank for the guy. What was the point? According to him, it was the health thing. But really, we we talked about it at length. It was Rivera the was there when he got traded. It's not like the trade happened before Rivera. That relationship is done. I don't think it is. Yes, it might be a hell of a lot better than him and with Bruce Allen. I mean, good job. But I, I mean, <laughs> they still traded his ass. He still has a relationship with Snyder. I don't think there's as many bad feelings now as there was. And so if he gets the money he's looking for, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't come. You want to talk about a guy that doesn't give a shit about playing on the fucking moon if he gets paid. I agree with you there. This is a fantasy. Give me Villanueva, all right, <laughs> and be done with this. I don't need that in my life. So way to throw in a little shocker there, but uh, no way. I'd like to see it. That one's not happening. All right. We'll see. Now, I would be happy with it if he played at a high level like he did with San Francisco, no doubt about it. But I'm done with that. Right. Go listen to one of our old podcasts where we said <laughs> fare thee well to Trent. There was a lot of bad feelings, but you know, time heals all wounds, as they say. It hasn't. Fuck him. <laughs> all right. Well, on to the Wizards, who lost a heartbreaker in Boston on Sunday, 111 to 110, to put their record at 13 and 19 overall. Now 12th in the East. Even with the loss, uh, the Wiz have played very solid in February, at least definitely the back half of February, going nine and six, beating the Celtics, Nuggets twice, the Blazers and the Lakers had a really good West Coast trip going three and one. Something of note that may be the most mind-blowing stat of all time. It only happened to a DC team, though, of course. The Wiz are 0-11 when Bradley Beal has scored 40 plus points and six and 20 all time. And Beal, of course, scored 46 points on Sunday. That's nuts, man. It really is. Another stat that I kind of came across here, and you'll probably poo-poo this as you tend to do, but I'm going to say it anyway here. But in the last 40 years, there's only been two players to average 33 points per game and shoot 48% from the field in a season. Obviously, the season's not over yet, but... You want to quiz me on who it is? uh, I know you know who it is. I said it to you, but... uh... But I'm going to let you say who those two players are. Beal and Jordan. Yeah, that's right. Honestly, it's impressive. I'm not poo-pooing it. You're not. Because it's not one of those stupid stats that they put on during the Wizards games and say on uh, cloudy days in the first week of January at 8 p.m., 
Beal scores more than uh, every other player in the league. I don't know, some shit like that. They get deep with those. They this get deep a, with those. This is a legitimate statistic. Yeah. That's impressive. The amount of great players and great scores that we've had in the league over the last 40 years. We're not talking about, you know, when the cutoff was like when Jordan was with the Wiz. They did it way back. And uh, two whiz on the list, by the way. Yeah, yeah, two whiz. <laughs> yeah, but that that's an impressive stat. It really is. Good for him. Yeah, he's not a gunner. And, you know, you get all upset with him that he shoots too much and everything, but he's shooting 48% from the field. I mean, it ain't bad. No, I get annoyed when the team is playing well as a cohesive unit, and then it becomes that momentum break happens when he jacks three shots in a row or takes it on a double team. That's when I have issues with it that absolutely he is not your gunner. He's not an Allen Iverson or something like that that is a complete volume shooter. I'm not saying that. But I think he does have a (laughs) but he does have a tendency to break momentum at times with what with his antics with what he does. Every top scorer does though. I know. But that's why you're 0-11 when you score over 40 points, Matt. Uh, okay, there's uh, not a kawinky dink there. And 6-20, and 20, don't forget that. In that Boston game, for example, they were playing well as a unit. Bertans was playing well. Apparently, Scott Brooks didn't think so because he didn't play him at all. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, yeah, but that wasn't Scott Brooks' fault that... For a quarter, almost a quarter, Bertans took one shot and touched the ball maybe three times. And that's because Westbrook and Beal were voluming it, as well as even, God help us, Neto. And they lost that game defensively at the end. They played well, well in the game. They kept Boston at bay. They did what they needed to do. But when Boston was down by five, they gave up a couple of plays, easy drives, things like that, that gave Boston quick points, unfortunately. But I can't really complain about how the Wizards have played in the month of February. They've played good basketball for the most part. I'm thrilled the way they've been playing. It's not making me physically ill watching a Wizards game now, which is nice. It's a step up. you know. But the end of the Celtics game, to me, showed that Brooks is still the problem. I don't give a shit. I don't care what they do. He is not a good coach, and I will say that till my dying breath. You know, I Chase Hughes, I think we talked about this. This came out like, what, five or six days ago. He put out that story that Russell Westbrook got the team together and asked the role players, you know, to define their roles on the team after practice or during practice, whenever it was. But they did. And Rui actually stepped up and apparently said, I can guard one through five. Right. That's what he said. So they're now they're holding him accountable to do that. And and he has been. He absolutely. has been busting his ass defensively. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Incredibly, it actually transferred to the court. Right. And amazingly, after that conversation, they won five straight and then seven of ten. So I ask you, <laughs> what the fuck does Scott Brooks do? Yeah. Tell me what you do here. When you have Russell Westbrook, who has to stop practice and ask these guys, what's your role? What's your role? Why wasn't that figured out in fucking training camp? Why isn't Brooks asking that question? Right. That too. I mean, why isn't he, for the first half of the season, he's changing lineups. He was going 12 deep. One game, Bonga's playing. The next three games, he's not playing at all. Um, Wagner, he's still playing with him. Even in the Boston game, they have matchups. Guys like Tice, guys like Tristan Thompson. They're urinating on Lopez. He can't move. He cannot move. He's got cement move. for feet. He is an oaf. <laughs> I think he's a, a nice person. I think he has his <laughs> role on this team when you're going against other oafs 
and yes. other burly big dudes that and Wagner is too small to cover. You have the ability to pick and choose based off of who you're playing. And and that's what I'm talking about with the coaching aspect of it. Read the room. Yeah. If you've got an athletic big that likes to shoot threes, Lopez ain't the man for the job. Mm-hmm. Okay? Wagner is. Or shit, Rui is. If yeah. you've got a guy that's going to stand and gun threes. I'd rather see Rui on Carl Anthony Towns than fucking Robin Lopez. That's the extreme level, and he doesn't make those adjustments. Now, this team has played better. They hustle more. Putting Garrison Matthews in the starting lineup, yes. But sometimes he he plays for the first five minutes, and you don't even see him the remainder of the game. Right. You know, I don't necessarily have an issue with that because he doesn't need to play big minutes. He's there to hustle. We've talked about it before. We need guys that are going to bust their ass like Wagner, like Matthews, to mix in with the scorers. Sure. And so, in turn, it makes your bench better. Right, because they don't need be the the primary scorer on the coming off the bench either. That's Breton's role. That's guys like that. I think it actually gives them a boost, even though they kind of get down still in every game. For whatever reason, it's working, and I think that it rubs off on the stars to at least hustle a little bit. I totally agree with you, and I and I think that when you see Garrison Matthews face planting on the ground diving for a ball, if you can't see that as motivation from Beal's standpoint or from Westbrook or whomever it is that's one of those guys that's like the flash of the team that does all the uh, the fun stuff, mm-hmm. if that doesn't affect you in some way to just bust it a little bit more on de- on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know what the hell will. When you see Wagner taking you know a knee to the chest on a charge, I don't really know what motivates you more. And I think you've seen that. And the biggest aspect of it is, Matt, they're working harder on the perimeter. On yeah, the they're defensive running side. they're running down threes. They're fighting through picks. They're going over the top of picks where they never did that before. Everything was a switch off. Everything was a switch off. And in the Boston game, what lost them at the end is they started going back to bad habits. And when you're doing switch offs with Lopez, Lopez is too goddamn slow to cover anyone, let yeah. alone freaking Tatum. It's I'll just tell you common what, sense. One one good decision Brooks did make was bringing in Bonga to take on Tatum, Absolutely. and he shut his ass down. But the damage at that point. He always does things too late. And well, it, they it, came back and started winning when they no, brought no, him in. Not denying that at all, but those adjustments could have been made quarters before that. You could see the writing on the wall, and I just feel like sometimes Brooks is just sitting there and just letting things play out. He never challenges calls. Yeah, why doesn't we, he ever challenge calls? We talked about that timeout. Why didn't he call the timeout before Beal even fell? Or Get it to I half mean, court. Right. That's just terrible coaching. Right. Get yourself together. Get Westbrook out of the game. You know he can't hit free throws. You put everybody in that you know can hit free throws, so you don't have to pass it to Beal. You know, Agreed. it's that simple. Agreed. So you don't have one guy that you know you can't pass to. This team isn't good enough to have shit like that happen, where you don't have the correct matchups in, in a timely fashion, and you make bonehead plays. You don't make challenges. Those type of things, the Lakers or Utah Jazz or teams like that that are good, or the Nets, can deal with those type of little ticky-tack mistakes by a coach and overcome them. This team can't. If there's a challenge that needs to take place that can take a three off the board or give a foul back to Hachimura who's defending his ass off and now he's got five fouls instead of four, those are the type of adjustments that a coach needs to do during game time decisions. That's it. And he doesn't do those. He sits there. He yells at the ref every once in a while because he sees Beal yell at a ref or Westbrook yell oh, at the ref. So, so he'll yell. join in. Yeah. That's all he does. 
That's all he does. And Can you and imagine you, what this team would be with an actual good coach? Oh, I'm hoping that the Celtics fire Brad Stevens and they can get him. I was like, oh. please, let the Wizards blow this fucking team out and maybe that'll be the end of it. And then all of a sudden we can pick him up or something like that. I'm begging for it. Hey, the Wizards have had a hell of a road in February. I know we sound negative. We just dislike Brooks. I think yes. this team has really played well in spite of some deficiencies that they have. Uh, Westbrook or... You want to call him Ricky Vaughn from uh, from Major League? <laughs> How many wild pitches or passes would you say he averages now per game? I'd say two to three. Yeah, I'd say so. He almost None more than that one that was in the fifth row. That'll never be broken, I, I don't yeah, think. But in the Boston game, he almost decapitated a referee. I yeah. mean, a ball was thrown about 100 miles an hour, six <laughs> feet away from him, and he almost ripped this ref's head off with the ball. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what, what, what's happening? What are you doing? He just has these crazy mental lapses that, yeah, like, what is happening? It's very weird. We've watched Wall for many years making just beautiful, crisp passes, and then we've watched basketball for many years. I've just never seen a human being pass the I've ball the way that he does. I've never seen that many bad passes in a season. Yeah. And I've seen more in one game sometimes. And just weird, just weird lapses. And the thing is, when you look at him in the face, he knows it. Yeah. He's like embarrassed. He's you embarrassed. Know? You know, I mean, shit, Matt, he's thrown some such bad passes when he got that technical. He missed the fucking padding. <laughs> That's where his accurate is. He was three feet away. He meant to throw the ball against the fucking padding against Minnesota, and he missed it. So the ref called a delay of game on him because he threw it past there and it like went underneath the stands or whatever. He's like, dude, all I wanted to do was just tap it onto the onto the padding. And his accuracy is so bad with passes that he missed it. But then once in a while, he'll <laughs> throw a make dime. Some, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's like something's Oh, that alley that wrong. he threw to Hachimura? It's fucking gorgeous. You kidding me? Beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. He's he's a mystery, that I, guy. It's like he's senile and has like, <laughs> like, like has Alzheimer's, and all of a sudden, you just have a... He doesn't know his son. He keeps on saying, where's Bobby? <laughs> and then you go in the next day to the nursing home. It's like, hey, Bobby, totally how you normal. been doing today? Yeah, totally normal. Yeah. He has a moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah, right. He's very streaky. Yeah. Unlike Beal, who's just like lays it on throughout the entire game. You don't even know. You're like, this guy's 35 points. Right. How the fuck did that happen? Stealth. But with Westbrook, he'll, he'll get like three or four back to back to back or make some crisp assists, strangely, and then he'll throw one in the fifth row. Right. He's a strange bird. Strange he bird. He is. Um, they're going to go as far as Westbrook's performance. He has to play better. He has to be more consistent. I could care less about this triple-double shit, and it makes me sick to hear it every single game. As a guard, there's been plenty of times, like for example, going back to that Boston game, Kemba Walker's wide open for three because Westbrook's standing under the basket ready to grab a rebound. Well, that's not your job. Yeah. That's not your job. Hey, but he had 11 boards. But he got 11 boards. I'd rather him have five and defend Kemba Walker from three-point range. Thank you. I would you agree know? with that. And, and I'd also like to see... When Bertans is hot, them feed him, feed him. I did notice they were trying. They were trying. They were trying actually throwing a pick for him for yeah. three. Whoa, they, what the hell is that? And they were actually, instead of Lopez lumbering over like an oaf to make the pick at three-point range, Bertans was going over there and doing the pick and pops. Mm -hmm. That's what they need to do to get him involved, whether he do it with Westbrook, whether he do it with Beal, whether he do it with Neto, whomever it is. They don't need fucking Lopez to throw the picks. Bertans plenty big enough to pick a guard. Yeah, Let him do it. But they're going to go as far as Bertans and Westbrook take them, not Beal.
Going back to the 40 points a game thing, Beal can only take them as far as they possibly can with the points that he scores. Bertans is, to me, is the second best scorer on this team, right? Yeah. Regardless of what Westbrook does or not, he is the one that is going to be the difference. And you saw when he made those threes, they widen the gap. Anytime Bertans is scoring, things go well for this team. And they need to con- consistently go to him. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, move on to the next one. Agreed. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Great job, Noel, as always. Thanks, uh, man. <laughs> we're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, share it on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you on Friday. <laughs>